Game begin. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Downloadable Gaming Podcast, your weekly gaming survival guide. I'm Justin, and thank you guys so much for joining us again. Remember, this is your weekly gaming survival guide, and I want this to be a conversation between us. So if you have any questions you want to bring up to the show, do you have any opinions on the story we talked about here, do me a favor. I want to hear it. Either go to Anchor, download the app, and leave me a voice message, or follow us on social media, at DLG Podcast, and comment down any of our photos or posts. Honestly, I'm having a really great two days, you know, bringing back DLG yesterday, and even after I got done posting up that episode, I actually went on to see Aquaman, an early release, which, by the way, when it comes out this Friday, you should really go check out. I'm not going to say it's the best superhero movie that I've seen ever, but it is actually one of the top DC movies that I've seen in some time. But with that said, let's get down to the stories. Now, as a gamer, I have a lot of random thoughts that pop into my head while I'm playing video games. Sometimes I'm stuck on a loading screen, sometimes I'm in the middle of a boring cutscene, and just random things tend to pop in. So what happened was, I was playing, hmm, oh yeah, I was playing Spider-Man, because I had just borrowed the game from my best friend, she let me hold it for a couple of days, and I had one major issue with Spider-Man, and it was the three hours that it took to download the files to, in order to start the game. And this seems to be the ultimate first world problem when it comes to video games. With each generation of consoles, with the evolution of gaming, we seem to want, as consumers, more and more when it comes to graphics, when it comes to gameplay, when it comes to everything like that. And these companies try to give us more and more of that stuff. We're seeing games with literally the best graphics that we've ever seen in our lives. However, the downside of having all of that great stuff is the fact that they come with large file sizes. And my best example of that is Red Dead Redemption 2. When I bought it, I got the chance to download it, I believe, the night before it officially came out. And that took six hours to download because I didn't realize that that was 100 gigs of space that I needed just for that one game. And I have a pretty fast PlayStation in terms of I connect mines, you know, straight through to my router. So that so-called five hours went by pretty quick for me. However, it was a completely different story from my best friend who I borrowed Spider-Man from. See, she just recently got her PlayStation and one of the games she got was Red Dead 2. She got the disc version of the game, which, you know, we normally think Oh, for the disc version of these games, you just pop in the disc, it downloads the files onto the system, and then you can start the game. Well, it's actually kind of different. See, when you get the disc version of Red Dead Redemption 2, there's actually two discs in one. And it tells you there's the game disc and there's the file disc which tells you just how massive the files are in Red Dead 2, that they needed a completely different disk in order to download all the files for that game. And thus just not stopping. 
we're seeing more and more file sizes needed in order to get these games which is why console sellers like Sony like Microsoft like Nintendo are starting to sell one terabyte versions of their consoles and that's why these consoles are now being expandable to pretty much as much room as we can afford I really should consider getting a bigger storage size on my PlayStation because I recently reverted back to just the regular 500 gigs of space and what ended up happening was when I decided to go and get Spider-Man downloaded I apparently had to delete like two or three games from my PlayStation in order to make room for it. Currently the only games I have on my PlayStation are Spider-Man, Madden 19, God of War, and I believe... What's the other game? Oh, Far Cry 5. So those are the only, I want to say, four games that I got on my PlayStation. And that takes up pretty much 75 to 80 percent of the room on my PlayStation. But that's everything that's on my mind. We have a lot of big news that we need to get into and we're gonna get into it in just a moment. Team DLG, I know you know about this whole Fortnite lawsuit controversy that's going on with the dances. Backpack Kid, Alfonso, who played Carlton in Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and the guy who invented the Millie Rock, I forgot his name. Was it Two Millie? Something like that. Anyways, these three gentlemen are all suing Epic Games and even 2K for having their dances that they've created on their games. Now, on the surface, uh, personal speaking, I do believe that these three should be getting paid. If you created a dance and companies and developers or anybody at all uses it in any kind of medium that's used to generate money, you should really be getting a portion of that. That's why YouTube is so strict with copyright claims. That's why anybody can literally lay a claim to a YouTube video and make money off of you. That's why the same thing could possibly happen to podcasting soon, which, with the little clips that I use, means that if I really got paid, I would have to be shelling out a lot of money. That is why I take advantage of fair use claims. But that's neither here nor there. So, about this whole you know lawsuit situation, on the surface, it's an open and shut case. But then there's some actual nuances when it comes to copyright courts or copyright laws that may make this a little bit tricky. The first one is for all three cases together. Now, apparently, according to copyright and trademark lawyers, you can't really copyright a dance that only has a couple of moves. Now, you can copyright full-on routines, which, you know, involve multiple different moves in a certain dance style. You can copyright those easily, but little subtle dances that only has like one or two moves, apparently you can't copyright those. And you can't copyright anything that really has become like 
general. And by general, I mean like literally everybody's doing it. Which means for the Carlton, being that it's been around for so long, has a pretty hard time when it comes to copywriting that. And speaking of the Carlton, it actually may be harder for Alfonso to get money off of it, even if he was able to copyright this, because he created the dance for the show, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which means, according to the lawyers who did an interview with CBS News, it may be a bit difficult for him especially, because there may be even a chance that the rights to the Carlton does not even belong to Alfonso. There's a chance that it belongs to the producers of Fresh Prince, which was something that I was thinking about a lot when I was doing research for this case. Because if somebody created something like a product, which actually, let, let's go into a show, uh, Silicon Valley. So in the first season of Silicon Valley, I forget all the characters because it's been a long time since I watched it. The main character of the show created a program that basically helped shrink very large files into very, very small ones, making transferring files and a lot of other things very simple to do. You could tell it's been a while since I watched that show. But he used a piece of code that he wrote in a company computer, which according to the larger company, meant that the rights to the project as a whole belonged to them because their property was used to create it. Now let's bring it back over to this. The Carlton was created for a show that is owned by a network, by producers, which means the right to the Carlton, if it can be copywritten, is legally owned by the producers of the show. So I'm sorry to say, I want whoever owns the dance to make their money, but it may not go to Alfonso himself. Now, if he had created it outside of the show, the way Backpack Kid did, he just created a massive trend on the internet, then he had more of a case. But in either case, all three of these dances may not even get the chance to be copyrighted, to be trademarked, because they really can't copyright something that small. But if they can, dude, let them get their money, let them get paid. Epic Games, 2K Games, y'all should really be paying these guys if you want to use their created stuff on your platforms, on your games. But who knows, this is going to drag on to be like this big courtroom situation. And I want to hear your opinions on this. What do y'all think? Do y'all think that Alfonso should have the rights to the dance being that he did actually create it? So it should legally be his? Or do y'all think that, you know, it belongs to producers because it's for the show? Do you think that all three of these gentlemen should be getting paid? And I should say paid because 2K and Epic Games are pretty massive when it comes to Fortnite and 2K18, 2K19. Or maybe you feel the opposite. Maybe they shouldn't get paid. Maybe these dances are, you know, fair use because they're so used by the entire community. Like, everybody does the Carlton. Everybody does the floss. 
Everybody does the Millie Rock. Who knows? Let me know your opinion. Also, one other thing. Yeah, I know that these dances are used in other games, right? Even though this whole case is revolving around Fortnite and 2K, there are other games that use these dances. Specifically the Carlton. If I look, I believe the Carlton is on... The Carlton is on Rift, it's on Saints Row the Third, it's on Guild Wars 2, uh, how many other games? League of Legends, holy cow. Is the Carlton really on that? I'm looking at a video that shows all of it. Uncharted 3 and so many other games. There would be so many people that would have to write a check to either Alfonso or the producers of Fresh Prince if that actually happens. Team DLG. Did you know we're on social media? That's right. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by just searching up at DLG Podcast. You can get your questions answered. You can talk to us as a whole. We post up little clips from this episode as well as previous episodes, and we put up exclusive content just for social media. We're trying to be the most interactive podcast around, and that means we do our part both on this show as well as on social media. So again, go follow us at DLG Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, Team DLG. So I'm a big gamer, but I'm also a big fan of the business side of gaming. I always love to learn how these big studios, these publishers, these companies as a whole make so much money off of this lovely lovely platform that we all love called video games i know i said love three times that's how much i love it but you ever realize we seem to be trending on a downward spiral when it comes to triple a games well apparently that's what an article on TechSpot is claiming and that's what a youtuber by the name of the quartering also claims the quartering actually released a video on why he believes we are about to hit a very low very hard crash when it comes to AAA games. And I watched the whole video and I actually do agree with a lot of his reasonings. See, he brings up two main points that I agree with most. One is the fact that many AAA companies really put out a very similar looking game. And before, I used to think of that as just vertically, which means that I think of series like Far Cry series, like let's say Madden series, like the Uncharted series. I always think of those games always looking extremely similar, which is why I get bored with a lot of these series games because it always seems like the companies just put out the exact same thing, repackage it in some fancy looking cover, put a bow on it, charge us $60, and we go crazy buying it. But he also made a great point that it's also similar horizontally, which means different games from different companies all look the same artistically. And here's the games that he mentioned that all really do look alike. Rage 2, Far Cry New Dawn, and Fallout 76. 
on the surface, all those games are extremely different because they play extremely different. But if you just look at it from an artistic standpoint, when it comes to the settings and the environments, they don't look that much different. All three of those games are post-apocalyptic. They have these very bright neon colors, such as like a neon pink, blue, green, that stems from the environment itself, from the flowers and the trees, all the way to the characters' clothes and their hair. And he showed us clips from these games. And when it came to Rage 2 and Far Cry New Dawn, I couldn't even tell the difference between the two games. Now with Fallout 76, it's a little more dire looking a little more dead when it comes to the environment itself but there's still hints of those colors that are in it as well which gives it the same look i'm looking at all of these games and you know what they look like and the article talks about it and quartering talks about it too they all look like fortnite and it's starting to look like these companies are just trying to piggyback off of the hype that is fortnite and trying to copy the style because that's what they think people want or it's because it's easy to recreate i get not wanting to recreate the wheel but there's a difference between innovating which is taking what's already there and twisting it to make something new and just flat out copying it and all of these look like flat out copies of one another it seems like as they say in the article as they say in the video that it's like they all have the same PDF of the design and just change a couple things on each one. Like Fortnite is already cartoonish. Far Cry New Dawn looks like a little cartoony, but it has like that vast real life looking setting when it comes to Montana. Fallout 76 looks like a nuke literally dropped on it. But if you just look at it, all three of those games look extremely similar to one another. And that was just the first reason he thought that. The second reason the quartering brought up is the fact that people as a whole have a huge backlog of games that they haven't even started, let alone finished. Look at your games that you have. Either the ones that you've downloaded on your console or the discs that you have just laying around in your room, in your living room, wherever your consoles are at. Now think to yourself, how many of those games have you actually finished? How many of those games have you actually played? Because I looked at mine and I have a lot of games that I have not even finished yet. Just on my PlayStation alone, I have God of War, still haven't finished. Far Cry 5, still haven't finished. Horizon Zero Dawn, still haven't finished. Loads of other games I have not finished or even started yet. Matter of fact, I didn't even know that I had Assassin's Creed Origins because I completely forgot that I even bought it. Because I'm so busy with all the games that I keep buying that keep coming out every single year that I completely forget about the ones that I've already bought. My personal experience, if I just stop buying video games altogether, I have enough games on my PS4 itself that I could last about another year and still be entertained. And if you want to throw in my Nintendo Switch, which I have Mario Kart, which I still haven't gotten all the trophies yet, which I'm trying to do, and The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which I still haven't finished yet, I have about a year and a half of games that I have to work on. 
But that's the other issue that leads to people not buying new games because we have such a huge backlog of games that we want to finish. We just never get around to it because these companies keep pushing new and new, quote unquote, new and new games down our throats. And we keep buying them every year, stacking up, and we barely finish any of them. Honestly, how many games have you seen the ending to not because you played it, but because you looked up the video on YouTube of a guy walking through the game and you got to see the ending through there? For me, that was a lot. I saw the ending of Far Cry 5, not because I beat it, but because I watched it. Because I'm so busy with all the new games that are out and all the new games that are coming out that I just don't have the time. Or I just get bored and get a new game. The third reason that causes you know this little crash of AAA gaming is the want and the need for us to have something different. You know what games are really selling right now and are doing very well? Independently published games, as well as these throwback classic games that are coming out. I don't know how these arcade one-ups are going to do that cost like $300, but the SNES classic sold pretty well. The NES classic was very well sold because you got so much for such a little price. For $60, you had 60 games, and they were all throwback games that people in this generation have never even seen before. Indie titles are giving us games we have not seen before. These big AAA companies are giving us pretty much the exact same game with a couple of little twists in terms of characters, in terms of little bits of story, but overall, it's still the exact same game. And that's why we as gamers tend to move away from the AAA titles and go more towards the independently published games. And let me tell you, that's doing a big deal of damage to these AAA companies. Listen to this. When I read the article and I saw the video itself, they were reading the stock prices of all of these companies, these big AAA publishers, and I wanted to see it for myself. So, starting off with EA, they peaked at a stock price of about close to $147 a share. That was back on July 16th of this year. You go all the way to yesterday, December 18th, it's trending at about $80 a share. Which means Electronic Arts basically lost half their value in only, what, five months? And that's just EA. Let's do some other ones. Activision, trending at about $83. Oh, nope. Yeah, trending about $83. This was back in October. It's currently trending $47 as of yesterday, December 18th. Again, another one that lost almost half its value. And this one lost half its value in two months. Take-Two Interactive. Now, if you don't know exactly what Take-Two is, they basically are the stock ticker that represents 2K, Rockstar, and some other very big publishing companies. Trending, peaking price, about $137 back in September. Currently, December 18th, $103. To go from 130 something to about 100, which means you lost out 
a little bit of money, quote unquote, compared to the rest of these companies because they didn't lose half their value, but they lost a pretty significant amount. And my last example, Ubisoft. In October 1st, they trended at about $24 a share. Now they're about $15, $15.75 per share. And none of these companies are trending upwards anytime soon. The expected length that this little downward spiral is expected to go is within the next six months. Which means for the next six months, we could see all of these stock prices bottom out. And it doesn't mean that any of these companies are going to close down. These guys are still going to crank out games left, right, and center. But the reason they're bottoming out so much is that we, as the gamers, are not buying them as much. Because we're starting to see that all these companies are giving us the exact same thing over and over again, which, as I said yesterday, is the definition of insanity. Now, what does this mean going forward? Hopefully, best case scenario is that these companies are going to start listening and changing things up. Now, we have a couple of games coming out between Anthem, uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2, which is a game we haven't seen in almost a decade, as well as Kingdom Hearts 3, which we haven't seen in about a decade, coming out, and it'll be a good positive for these companies. But if they want to see their stock price go up, if they want to make their investors happy, and they want to make us gamers happy, they have to start creating new titles, create new IPs, create new stories that'll have us on the edge of our seats and wanting their games. Your AAA games because you have big budgets and you create these massive worlds for us, but you keep giving us the same crappy stories, the same crappy character developments, or you just give us the same crappy broken game like you did with Fallout 76, like you did with No Man's Sky. You guys see all the things not to do, and yet you still do it. I don't understand why these companies can't just do the simple things. But that's just one man's opinion. You guys all have your opinions. Some of you prefer independent titles. Some of you prefer AAA titles. Me, for one, I love AAA titles. I love the vast worlds. I've been a big Far Cry fan. I've been a big GTA fan. But I'm tired of getting the same games. I want something new. And... If these companies can give us something new with the budgets that they have, it'll be amazing. But I'm tired of spending $60 up to $100 on pretty much the same game that I could get for half the price because only the previous generation. So after that long-winded talk about these AAA companies and how they're about to go belly up in the stock market, let's talk about today in gaming history. So there's actually two big things that happened, one in 2001 and one in 2002. So in 2001, on December 19th, 17 years ago, Silent Hill 2 Restless Dreams released. And this is actually pretty significant for me because... Between Silent Hill and Resident Evil, both of those series achieved their goal of making sure that I could never have a good night's sleep in my childhood. Not because I used to play them, 
but because I used to stay over at my cousin's house in the Bronx and every night past a certain time, that's the only game that those guys would play were these horror games. And they would give me a warning. And you know, like the younger cousin who wanted to hang out with the big kids, I used to try to stay there as much as I could. But let me tell you, when you have the zombies, the dogs, and you know, the crazy people with machine guns that Resident Evil has, and you mix them with the zombies, the demons, the guy with the cone head with the axe that's trying to kill you every 10 minutes that Silent Hill has, well, it's just not a good thing to be witnessing as a six, seven, eight-year-old, especially when you're one who would have nightmares about that every single night, and at one point had a dream that one of the zombies from House of the Dead was eating your brain. But I gotta say, those games did give me a very good hatred of Halloween, but now as a grown man, I actually do like Halloween and zombies. I think it's kind of cool now. And with that said, we are out of time for today's episode. So guys, I just want to thank you all for listening. And remember, if you got a question you want answered or you want to get your opinion for a topic, be sure to leave me a voicemail on Anchor. Follow this podcast there or follow us on social media at DLG Podcast and put down your opinion on one of the comments. I look forward to reading them and I'll see y'all in the next episode. When the drum beats go, play this.